Welcome to the Lentil Intervention Podcast, talking all things movement, whole food nutrition and environmental wellness with your hosts, Ben and Emma. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode four. My name is Ben Adelberg coming to you from Auckland and I am joined by Emma Strutt in Queensland. Hello, Emma. Hi, Ben. How are you going? I'm good. Good, good. Right, so what have we got on this episode? Uh, we are bringing you a really valuable conversation with the wonderful Shamiz Kachwala. Many of you will know him from uh, High Carb Health, but Emma, he's actually got a much broader story. He's got a really powerful story, yep. So Shamiz was happily living his life in 2012. He was uh, teaching in Japan at the time when health issues struck. He was actually diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and spent about six weeks in the hospital really struggling with the associated complications of that. Um, now, he was facing the possibility of lifelong medication and surgery, but one fateful internet search by his mum changed his health trajectory completely. Now, I don't want to give too much away in the intro, but Shamiz was able to turn his health around completely and has been happy and healthy and thriving for the last seven years. Um, and as you mentioned, Shamiz now helps hundreds of other people around the world with their health um, because he started a business, High Carb Health, uh, that he co-founded with his brother, Shakul. Um, this is a really remarkable story of recovery and it serves as a reminder about the power of diet and lifestyle. Can't not wait. So let's head on over and get him on the call. Shamiz, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming yeah. on, Shamiz. Yeah, th- thanks for having me, guys. It's um, it's great to be here. And I think you guys are really inspirational people and spreading a really good message here. And I think um, I'm excited to share my story with you guys. Oh, that's awesome. So early on and already such good feedback. So really appreciate that. Thank you. You're making me blush. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shamiz, now uh, you have a uh, you have an amazing uh, story to tell in terms of a very personal journey that you've experienced and uh, we're obviously going to go into that but like all good stories let's start at the very beginning and um, tell us a little bit about the kind of life you used to live in terms of what you used to eat and and um, and so on yeah, sure. Well, I guess um, I was like everyone else. Um, thought I needed lots of protein and meat to, um, I guess, be fit and healthy. Um, and I used to actually go to the gym, um, thinking that I was healthy and fit. Um, yeah. I actually was not very fit at all. Um, I had, I guess, just a little bit of size on me, but actually was just, you know, water retention and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but um, I didn't eat uh, a very good diet before. It was very generalized. I didn't really know anything about nutrition. Um, I didn't actually even bother um, looking into nutrition as well when I did go to the gym. I did stay away from protein powders and things because yeah. that never really sit, uh, sat with me that well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never really thought about nutrition. It was just you know more meat-heavy than anything. Um, mm thinking I needed protein and stuff. And, um, you know, I never really had any health issues as such um, when I was growing up. And um, I think asthma was the only thing, but that kind of drifted away when I got older. But, yeah, yeah. yeah there, was, there was nothing really. Um, but your comment now, saying this now, that you're, you weren't that f- as fit as you thought you were and, and you weren't eating as healthy as, as one would think, that's in hindsight, isn't it? That wasn't at the time. Yes. At the time you thought... No, I'm I'm doing what I should be doing. 
Correct. Yeah. Definitely, as, yeah. as everyone else does. You know, yeah. everyone else thinks they're eating healthy, and until you kind of <laughs> go through what someone eats, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 until you go through what someone eats, they uh, you actually are very surprised, and that it's very unhealthy. That's right. And um, when you break it down. So yeah. back in 2012, you experienced, um, is experience the right word? Um, <laughs> ulcerative, uh, ulcerative colitis. Um, yes. tell, us, tell us about that. How, how did that come about? You were in Japan at the time as well, weren't you? Yes, I was in Japan. So I graduated in 2010 um, when the recession was on. <laughs> So let's just go wind, wind back a little bit. I did a Bachelor of Design specializing in interior architecture. Okay. Uh, I graduated in 2010. Um, and there was absolutely no jobs going um, at the time. So yeah. I was kind of a bit stuck. Mm-hmm. And I've always dreamed of going to Japan and being a teacher. I'd been to Japan three times before that. Uh, as an exchange student with my high school. Mm-hmm. So I already knew how to speak Japanese um, and I loved the country. I loved Japan. I still do. Um, and, you know, I thought, hey, well, maybe I can go and teach English there. So I obviously applied for the job um, in 2011, uh, early 2011. And, and that's when the tsunami happened, right? That's there, right. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was in Hong Kong when that happened, actually. Oh, wow. But that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, the tsunami happened. Um, I was I, I didn't get the job, so I was um, uh, what's the word for it? And they had a backup um, person, so I went for the interview and stuff. And I was um, yeah, just a backup person if, right. if if someone else didn't want to go. Yeah. Um, so that's what happened. Someone else um, didn't want to go after the, the tsunami and earthquake, so I got the call up. And um, in July, end of July, I went to Tokyo um, and had the introduction and stuff over there and mm-hmm. um, started my journey teaching English in Japan. I didn't, I didn't have any other uh, previous teaching experience. It was a pretty um, new thing for me. Um, and it was through JET program. Um, so some of your listeners may know about that, but right. it's a, a ALT, so assistant language teacher, um, and you kind of help around with um, the main teacher teaching yeah. the Japanese kids English. Yeah. So right, new, new job, new country. How were the stress levels? Yeah, I, I was. I loved. I loved Japan. So I'd been there. It wasn't a new experience for me in terms of the culture. I, okay. I absolutely love Japanese culture. So that was that was fine. Um, I think definitely a new job. Um, excited to be honest because you know. Yeah. Your first job is always is like the most exciting, and uh, especially when it's um, teaching the kids. Now, I've always been a student in, in, in Japan, so I knew what it was, student life was like, but I never knew what teaching life was like. So mm. it was um, it was really exciting. I was looking forward to it and, and giving my uh, best and giving back to Japan after the tsunami as well and, and helping as much as I could, and that was one of the reasons I wanted to go there. Yeah. So life going pretty good, I guess, post post the tsunami. But you know, you, you were settling in. You, you yeah, know, yeah. Definitely, it was a roller coaster actually because the ground was still shaking when I got there. Um, there was oh. so many aftershocks. I think the biggest wow. aftershock um, I experienced was seven point six, and it was it was oh, pretty crazy to be honest. Yeah. And yeah. The whole house was shaking. Um, but as you know, you know, in Japan the houses are pretty good. Uh, earthquake proof I'd, I'd say and it was just moving with the with the earthquake and i was like oh here we go again <laughs> oh, oh wow 
so that, that was quite an interesting experience as well because you know you, you just you wake up in the middle of the night and just shaking everything's shaking and you're just like oh what's gonna happen <laughs> luckily nothing you know the house wouldn't break or anything because they're pretty pretty much just i call them cardboard houses because <laughs> there's no insulation or there's not there's nothing to it really it just bends and moves with the with the yeah, earthquake yeah um but uh yeah just i think it was um i i, I got into the school uh, around august and i had uh, this was amazing i had a school of only 50 kids and the whole school was only 50 kids and it was it wow. was a countryside countryside uh, school and um you know it was it was like family it was that it was that cool so i i got in there nice and easy and um really enjoyed the time that i was working there and got along with all the teachers and all the kids and stuff um and obviously was eating lots of sushi um, and this is, you know, the top of the top, the best quality sushi. Um, you go to the bar and, and you go to the, the head chef and, you know, he, he cuts you up some really nice fine uh, tuna and uh, salmon and, you know, thinking I need my omegas, I'd eat all those foods. And yeah. I think that was probably the biggest downfall. And I think uh, looking back, um, you know, the radiation that was in the, mm-hmm. uh, in the water after Fukushima potentially could have had something to do with uh, me getting sick as well. But um, yeah. So before you got sick, you, you just mentioned all the fish and whatnot. Um, did you have any bouts of food poisoning or anything like that to kind of set things off? Or how did it oh, actually yeah. come about? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't actually food poisoning um what happened was that um you know as the the months went by so it was in i obviously came in 2011 so it was the next year um may next year where i, where I started to feel a little bit sick and i guess tired mostly and then i started yeah. seeing that my stool was um not very nice or it was um just not normal yeah um and uh, that's when i kind of decided to go to the GP and, and get it checked. And um, it was quite hard because, the, you know, the doctors didn't know how to speak English very well. Yeah. Uh, so it was a bit of a challenge uh, trying to figure out all the medical terms. Um, but that was, yeah, it, it was hard to talk. So the, the doctor just said, you know, okay, we'll just get you checked. So he said, um, you can go to the hospital and they'll do a colonoscopy. They'll do a, you know, camera check and see what's wrong. And um, I went to hospital, I grabbed all my stuff and, um, you know, I had a scooter back then as well. So it was quite easy for me to travel to and from if I needed to go anywhere. Yeah. So I, I, I traveled from the uh, from my house to the hospital, it was probably about a half an hour on the scoot. And um, yeah, so they checked me in hospital uh, and they they didn't diagnose me on that day, but they said that you have some kind of inflammation in your in your rectum or in your bowel because um, there was obviously blood in my stool um, and that was a bit scary to see. Um, yeah. And At that yeah. early point with the whole Fukushima radiation, the, the you know, I don't want to get in trouble here, but the supposed cover-up and not really, you know, exposing a lot of the, the reality of, of what the country was um, experiencing in terms of international exposure. But was there any thought at the time that, hell, maybe you've been exposed or maybe you've eaten fish, you know, like you say, that there has been exposed to radiation in the water, which, uh, you know, to this day, there's still a lot of radioactive water flushing into the sea and was there any thought that maybe it was related to that to to the nuclear sort of 
I wouldn't call it a fallout as such, but you know of what was happening at Fukushima. Absolutely none. There was right. there was no not a thought of that at all. Um, there was actually nothing that um, spoke danger. Um, no, none of the government was saying anything about food, you mm. know, and it was all pretty hush hush. Like no one talked about the that's right tsunami or even the radiation or the, especially the the nuclear power plant. Like no one talked about it. I mean, mm. I think rice was one of the biggest issues because a lot of rice um, came from Fukushima as well. Mm. And uh, they'd been exposed, um, but no, there was absolutely no uh, thought of that. Didn't come to my head. We didn't. We didn't actually know about the the nuclear power power plant disaster at that time. Um, Seriously? So, wow. Yeah. No. I, okay. I didn't that was that. that was one of the first things that hit the news. Yeah. Well, we. I didn't. And abroad, that, that is. Yeah. 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 Wow. So this was uh, a complete shock. This was. How? How? How has this come about, basically? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd never even heard. So they diagnosed me with ulcerative colitis, mild colitis, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, when I first went into hospital. And no, I had a zero idea what this disease was. And yeah. I was like, um, I've never been sick in my life. And how has this suddenly happened to me? And I think this is pretty common for people when they get this disease. Like they suddenly Absolutely. Yeah. Um, kind of like, what? What is this that's happened to me? So it was a bit of a shock for me to kind of, you know, think that, hey, I'm in hospital and, like, what am I doing here kind of thing because mm. I don't eat unhealthy, um, you know. <laughs> so, and I think also they, uh, when they checked me, they said, oh, you know, you, you're going to have to stay here for a week in hospital. And I was like, what? You know, like, they, they wanted to observe me. Um, and so they said, go get your clothes um, and, uh, you know, go get some stuff and then come back and we're gonna, you're going to be staying here for a week. So I, th- I thought, okay, wow, that's pretty crazy. So I obviously scooted back home I had to get all my clothes and my toothbrush and all that kind of stuff. Um, and obviously communication in Japan is pretty poor, so <laughs> it's hard to know what to do and what to get. Um, yeah. So I didn't really know. So how long I was going to stay there, I had absolutely no idea. Um, so as the kind of weeks went, as that week went by, I didn't actually get any better. So they, I think they put me on antibiotics um, as as they normally do in Asia uh, when you have some kind of infection or some kind of problem. Or pretty much anywhere, to be fair. Yeah, anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I went for a week and then they observed me and my condition didn't actually get better. It actually got worse. Um, and I kind of, you know, told the doctors, like, hang on a second, you know, what's going on here? Um and uh, they just said, you know, hang fire. Uh, we still need to observe what's going on with your body. So there was a nurse that used to come around and, and check, you know, my bowel movements every day, and, and she used to write it down and frequency and all that kind of stuff. And it started off at about two to three a day um, and sort of started going up a bit to four and five. Um, and so this was accelerating quite fast. It was. So it happened in, in that week. And obviously, you know, the food that they were feeding me was actually supposedly for colitis patients or Crohn's patients too. So that was, um, it was that uh, rice porridge. Um, it was half of a raw egg and it was miso soup and there was fish as well. Um, so so like that was a low residue, high protein. Yeah, kind of yeah, 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 yeah. So that, that's what they were feeding me. And and, and, they, and I asked the guy, the doc, one of the docs, I was like, can you, uh, like, you know how you have those yakult 
Um, it's very famous in Asia, the Yakult yeah, yogurt. Yeah. I was, I was smashing those down because obviously thinking they had lots of probiotics or whatever that they had in them. Um, so I was having like two or three a day and I was like, yeah, this stuff's good, you know, chuck it down. Um, <laughs> uh, not knowing that that was probably making me a lot worse. And, and you know, now, now obviously I know that that's probably what made me worse as well as the medications and things. But so the, um, yeah, so because I started to get worse and worse, the doctors were kind of like, okay, let's uh, let's just try putting him on um, some medication. So that was anti-inflammatory drugs, uh, which was 5-ASA or mezalazine, is what mm-hmm. they call it. Um, and while keeping me on the same food, um, you know, week by week by week, I just kept getting worse and worse. And, and I obviously had to ring up my school and say, hang on a second, I'm... Um, you know, I'm going to be in hospital now for, for a bit longer than a week. And they were kind of concerned saying, okay, when are you going to be back? Because these students, you know, waiting for you and stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I didn't know. I didn't have uh, an answer for them as well. And um, as the week went, weeks went by, the um, the drugs didn't work either. So I went from four to five to then seven to eight times in a day. Yeah. Uh, the second week and the third week. And that's when things started to kind of you know, strike me that why am I not getting better? Like I'm in the hospital, you know, trust these doctors and, mm-hmm. you know, there's always, you, you have that faith in, in doctors and you go, right, yeah, I'm going to get better soon, you know. Um, and, you know, I didn't think of it at the time. I was just like, okay, well, what are they gonna, whatever they're giving me, this should be good for me. I, was, I should come around in no time. And, and I think by the th- third week, you know, I was really concerned. So I called my parents on Skype and I said, Hey guys, I'm in the hospital. And they're like, what are you doing there? You know, like <laughs> <you should laughs> I've been, been here for your... three weeks. Yeah. You should have been out of there already or whatever. What's going on? Obviously being concerned parents, um, they, they didn't really understand. And I said, Oh, doctor's got it. You know, he's, he's going to give me some more drugs and stuff and it should all settle down. Um, and uh, little did they know that that wasn't the case. And so the fourth week went by and from seven to eight went, to 10 to 12 and then they kind of said okay we need to you know up the dosage so then they introduced some steroids mm-hmm. um prednisone um but that didn't work either so the dosage of prednisone went higher and higher so i think they started off me with 20 mg and then it went to 40 mg uh, and then 60 mm-hmm. and then 80 um wow. and it still wasn't anything. an absolute dangerous territory there with all, all those <laughs> drugs yeah, and um, so I actually in the fourth and fifth week, I kind of, I kind of told my mum and dad like, please come, you know. So that, I think they came the next day and the fourth week, or even I think it was the middle of the third week, um, they came and um, you know they flew flew over the next day, and um, it was I was so glad that they came because the, they mm. saw me and they they're going, how, you've lost so much weight. Um, you know, and, and like, you know, how this is crazy. So I think at that time I lost about 10 kilos. Um, so I weighed in probably around about 72, 73 and dropped down to about 60. And it know, really looks like you lost more. Cause for those, uh, the listeners that including myself, I've, I've seen you present. And for those that have seen you present or even go on your website, which we'll get to a little later on, um, you know, you've got some photos and, Man, it really shows you. You were struggling. You were not 
in a good place. Definitely, definitely. So as the weeks, as a couple more weeks went by, I lost Stephen more weight. So it was around about, I think, in total 30, 30 kilos. Um, That's and, a huge uh, amount to lose in six weeks, isn't it? That's a huge amount, yeah. So they actually stopped feeding me um, around the third week as well because they wanted to let the drugs work. Or they were trying to find a solution. They're doing all these trial and error things on me, and you know, I just, I just wanted to get better, and I was like struggling here. I was running to the bathroom, and actually, um, I think it was in the third week when my parents came. I kind of said, um, "Can I get a private room with a toilet that's really close, or like in the in the private room itself?" Because I was in a in a ward, and I had to run about or walk about ten meters to go to the toilet, and that was really hard for me when you're going yeah. like 12 times and, and you know uh, it's it, I had to run because I had urgency as well so I couldn't and you'd be feeling so weak and fatigued yeah. with so the weight loss yes. yes and so I told them I was like I can't stay here can you please get me a private room so we had to go uh, obviously they, they uh, agreed and we went to a private room and that's when they stopped feeding me as well and, and that's probably why my my weight went down even more too so they had to put a um, catheter in my neck, and um, oh, you had TPN for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I had I was getting because through the wrist, it's only I think uh, eight hundred calories mm-hmm. um, that you can get via saline um, IV, sorry, IV drip, and so they had to increase that. So I think it's you can get sixteen hundred through through the, you know, the vein in your neck, um, and uh, yeah, so they they put me on that. Um, and that was an ordeal in itself because, you know, it's really, you know, the the doctor has to put a needle through your neck and it's quite dodgy. It's, it's mm. not the safest thing. And my, my parents asked the doctor, you know, what's your success rate? And he's like, oh, about 95%. Oh, man. <laughs> and they're like, what about the other 5%? And, and, and he said that, uh, they said, you know, what 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 will happen if, if something goes wrong? And, and then he was like, oh, I'm going to have to call the the surgeon or someone that can patch him up and he's going to have to come and do that. I'm going to have to hold the, the, the vein and not let the blood come out and stuff. And, and this was all in, in gibberish, like not, not proper English. So my parents were even more concerned. So, and actually what was really interesting, I, I was, this is the story from my parents cause I was asleep. Um, when he was doing the, the, when he was putting the needle inside, um, the nurse, uh, comes out running out the doors because my parents were outside, comes out running out the door, starts screaming, and my parents are just shitting themselves going, oh, oh my God, what's happened? And and then she goes to the, the nurse's ward um, or the office and then comes back and says, everything's okay. <laughs> that was a oh bit of a scare for them. Yeah. It was a bit of a scare for them as well. But um, so, yeah, as as things just um, went along, uh, they, they – um, you know, I wasn't getting better and ultimately going about 40 times a day to the bathroom. Ended up being about 40 times a day. And, you know, I was so weak that I, I actually couldn't talk. Um, it was hard for me to open my mouth. Uh, I was in nappies. Um, and, you know, the, the things just got so much worse that we just didn't know what was going on and why uh, I was getting worse. And the doctors, you know, they, they kept saying, that oh, he's not responding to the medications. They'll, they'll kick in soon. Um, and my mum specifically asked doctors, you know, what he's been in your care for, you know, such a long time. Why hasn't he got better? Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't really have an answer. And the answer was actually surgery. Um, mm. that's, 
what the the doc said that his his colon is so inflamed he's got ulcers now so it, it progressed from mild colitis to ulcerative severe ulcerative colitis in the space of four or five weeks mm. um and so i had big big ulcers in my in my large intestine and um it it was painful like seriously painful i, I just you cannot believe i i when I look, remember those times, I think, you know, how did I do that? Um, and, and just how did I go through all that? Because the pain was so significant. I had to take, um, uh, was it one, one um, drug under morphine? It was, it was um, that painful. Mm. Um, and sleeping pills because I couldn't sleep and, yeah. and all those other drugs on top of that. So I was on antibiotics. I was on anti-inflammatory drugs. I was on steroids. And that's when they suggested surgery. And my mama said, well, you can't take an organ or piece of his organ out when, you know, you haven't been able to do anything else. So she refused the surgery, luckily, because I was just like, just get get this over and done with. I, I was happy to, you know, do surgery. I was in that much pain and I was just suffering so much. Um, so that was something that I didn't care what happened, you know, I, Potentially, just do whatever to start feeling better. Yeah, and, and if my mum didn't say no to that, I'd probably be, you know, in a much, much worse situation, obviously. And mm. um, I would have had to stay in hospital another further two or three more months because they would have, um, uh, I would have been in a bag and then they would have done um, another surgery to connect, you know, the bowel to the rectum. Uh, mm-hmm. So that would have been really, really bad. So we wanted to get the hell out of there actually. So my mom said no, luckily. And they had another solution, which was immunosuppressant drugs. Um, mm-hmm. And that helped me a tiny bit. So it reduced my bowels from about 40 to about, I don't know, 15 to 20. Um, so I kind of got a tiny bit more strength back because I wasn't running to the bathroom so much. I had a little bit of... Um, I guess, uh, relief um, from that. But the pain was still there, the blood was still there, uh, and uh, it was pretty pretty harsh. So so what happened then was that my mum, during all this time, was trying to find, like, anything, right, alternative or cure or whatever. She was typing on on um, Google this whole time, and she was just trying to find something. And, um, you know, this was the strangest thing. So uh, I, uh, because of the immunosuppressant drugs kind of settling my bowels a little bit, I was still getting like runny diarrhea the whole time. Um, once they settled, uh, we started to bring incorporate food back into the diet mm-hmm. as well. And um, luckily, my my mum found. Well, she typed in Google, "Is tofu good for you?" And the, obviously, being in Japan, you know that's why she typed it in. And uh, there was a book that came up, and uh, it was it said "Self Healing Colitis and Crohn's" by uh, Dr. David Klein. And she, she was like, "Oh my God, what's this?" And uh, she ordered it. So we ordered it um, on Amazon. Uh, the book came within two or three days. Um, so it got shipped from from US to Japan. And a couple of days, we got it. We started reading it, and we were like, "Oh my God, this is the answer. This is what we've been looking for." And we read through it. Like I don't know, me and Mum were going page by page through it, and we were just like, "Wow, why haven't we told this information?" And why haven't all these other people been told this information? Um, so the, the, the book talked about um, how to heal yourself naturally or the self-healing body. And um, the, the author had ulcerative colitis himself for about eight years before he started to figure out that you know diet has a massive role to play. Of course, 
when we talk to the doctors, you know, diet has nothing to do with it. Or they, they, they dismiss it. Of course. Uh, and so, yeah, we started to read that book. And then there was a nutritionist that was there at the hospital. Uh, I think, yeah, dietitian nutritionist. And um, we kind of talked to her and we, we said, hang on a second. The food that he ate before, knowing a little bit of information about plant-based diet, we kind of said, the food that you were feeding me previously didn't work. So how about we incorporate only fruits and vegetables? And the dietitian was just like, well, where are you going to get your protein? Where do you get your protein? <laughs> exactly. Um, so we just said, well, we can get it from here and here and here. And just saying it, uh, you know, because we didn't really know much about nutrition either. We we're just going from the book. And so she said, okay, we can do this. And I think they, were, they said, okay, you need some bread. I was like, okay. Um, so they they'd give me a, a bun with butter on it, saying, "Oh, the butter's the protein. You can have that." Um, and I was like, okay, <laughs> we'll just do that. And so they they also got some steamed uh, vegetables, which I needed. And my mum actually bought a smoothie maker and a juicer in hospital, <laughs> so she'd be <laughs> making me smoothies. Um, Good thing you had juicer. a private room. Yeah, exactly. with all that shenanigans going on. Very handy. It's very handy to have that. So. Yeah. Um, the nurses actually got, you know, got into it really well as well. They they actually wanted the juices as well. So my mum would make a juice for orders. me. Yeah, my mum would make a juice for me, and, and the, the nurses would have a, have a bit as well. And they'd be like, "Yeah, this is good for him. This is good for him." And I'm like, "Well, why don't you tell me before?" And where's the doctor with all this? So you've got the the dietitian slash nutritionist of the hospital engaged to some degree. Uh, the nurses, well, you know, they they're figuring it's obviously doing something good for you but where, where's the doctor with all this yeah well he didn't really pay attention too much about what i was eating he was just look checking my bloods and, and mm. obviously coming in every now and then saying are you feeling better and in fact like from when we started doing the smoothies and juices i had a i had a really like a moment where i, I started to feel better like i had more energy one 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 day and i was like hang on a second this is this is really good like wow like i've never felt like this in this whole time mm. and and then I, I actually started to walk and that was huge um mm. uh, next couple of days i started to i walked past the the nurse or the office that they had in the hospital and um they were like looking at me going how the hell are you walking because i was walking with the the drip you know things poked into my arms and all yeah. that stuff. um and we started like we obviously started to see the results really quickly, and we were like, "Wow, this this food is amazing!" You know, this, and you're still on the meds as at the same I'm time. I'm still on the meds. Yeah. I'm still yeah. on the meds. Um, it was only until we started reading the book a little bit more in depth, saying that you know these these drugs are so bad for you, and and because I started to feel better, they started to give me the drugs orally instead of uh, through IV. So mm-hmm. that was a huge relief for me as well because if I had it through IV, I wouldn't have been able to do anything, right? So what we then started to realize is that these meds are poisoning me even more and that's why my body hasn't necessarily got better. So we got rid of the steroids. Yeah, got rid that's of the a big one. Drugs. We got rid of the, the immunosuppressant drugs as well because I read that. I, I, it was tacrolimus what they were giving me and I, I Googled it and I was like, this side effect is a skin cancer. And I'm like, uh, no, thank you. I don't want that. So luckily I wasn't on those drugs for, for too long. Um, 
And I wouldn't recommend anyone do this if they have osteoarthritis or Crohn's disease to, to get rid of your medication straight away because you need to talk to your doctor, obviously. But because yeah. we were so yeah. desperate, um, we just had to do anything to get out of there. And I think it was a, it was a wise decision on our part. As my body started to get better, the doctor was seeing that in, in my blood results. And um, my so all, throughout this whole time, I did four colonoscopies as well, um, and that was just really, really hard too. It's like, you know, he, he one I think the the third colonoscopy he couldn't actually go past my rectum because <sighs> it was so inflamed that he couldn't he couldn't put the camera past that point. Um, so that's how bad it was. Um, so the fourth the fourth fourth and final colonoscopy um, that I did was because I was getting better, and he's like, oh, I want to check you know, I want to see your your inflammation levels and your ulceration and stuff. So the one week that I was on this diet, which was banana smoothies, uh, juices, um, and steamed vegetables like potatoes, sweet potatoes, pumpkin, carrots, broccoli, um, one week on this diet. And, you know, he did a colonoscopy. And he was shocked. Um, the doctor then, you know, gave me the report. I, I saw it. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And he said, oh, finally, the, the medication's working. Uh, and I know we, the kicker here. <laughs> yeah, and we kind of were just like, are you serious? Like, you, you don't know what's been going on here? Like, what, we've been, like, you know, eating these foods to, not, like, you know, nourish and soothe the, 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 the intestines. But none, none of that was talked about. One of the reasons why we didn't want to uh, say anything was because we didn't want to argue. We'd been there for six weeks, and we just wanted to get home. Yeah. So my inflammation levels had completely disappeared. They were very, very low. My CRP was um, at, at normal level. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. It, it went up to, I think, 100 and something, mm. uh, and, and it dropped to, to, I think, under five. That's what normal is. Mm-hmm. Um, my ulcers had disappeared, uh, which he was really shocked. There was a little bit of scarring left, um, and he was like, Wow, this is amazing! So he actually discharged me from hospital because of my results. Otherwise, I'd been I'd be staying there a lot longer if my colon did not heal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so yeah. just to take a step back, your your recovery is just beyond remarkable. I mean, that was a from from that's such a low point that you were at to mm. that recovery. Let's just recap very quickly. What do you think from from the moment you thought? Uh, I think something's not right. Let's go and get a checkup done um, to that acceleration of how quickly you just, uh, you know, you just went so backwards with, with your health. Do, what do you think accelerated that? Was the was it the medication? Was it the food that was feeding it, feeding the inflammation and so on? Was it a combination? Was it was it something else? Uh, because you managed to get out of it so quickly. So what, what got you in such a fast decline? Yeah, so let, let's talk about the, the initial kind of diagnosis. I think mm. because I got diagnosed with mild colitis, yeah. I wasn't that severe early on. I didn't have this disease for such a long time. Mm. Um, and I think progressively I got worse because of the food and the medication. My, my body was, I think, strong enough to get rid of this medication yeah. um, and, and heal itself while going through the process. And I think that's where when we when we look at natural hygiene or when we look at self-healing, the body will enact um, 
healing process or cleansing processes to get rid of whatever toxic matters inside your body. And so I think my body was already doing that. Um, and the meds are supposed to suppress the body or suppress right. the symptoms, right? Yeah. So my body refused to do that because I, I believe that it was strong enough to you know, get rid of those meds on top of that. So it didn't suppress yeah. um, my body. So that's probably why I got so so bad. And, and I think just the, the medications poisoned me even, even more. And so it really caused my body to be in a much bigger state of disease, dis-ease. Yeah. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I went so bad really really fast, um, just because of the pump, pumping me with meds and obviously feeding me the wrong foods as well. That's right. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah, you're yeah, you're, you're doubling up on the inflammation as opposed to doubling down on, you know, reducing that inflammation. So yeah. with good food and without the, the ill effects of the meds that you were on. Yeah. Wow. And, and that's why I think that my recovery was – or coming out of the, the disease was a lot faster than maybe some other people that go through this um, with this disease because mm. I hadn't had it for that long. I hadn't been on medications for years on end, for example. I'd, you know, mm. I'd taken the, the, the strongest doses, but it was a short period of time. And I guess belief and faith um, was what carried me as well. Like I had no other choice. You know, the, the medical system had kind of failed me, so I was like, I, had to, I have to do anything that I can to kind of get out of here. And I think that just, and then seeing those little little wins uh, with my digestion um, helped me get out of a really severe situation. Yeah, uh, it didn't it didn't end there as well though. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, when I uh, when I came back to New Zealand, um, you know there was there was a lot going on too because we didn't really know about nutrition that much, and so I got myself out of a really really good position. Uh, when I was in hospital, obviously, you know, gained a little bit more weight back, was, was doing, was norm, living normally. But unfortunately for me, um, I did go back to eating some animal products because I had a lot of cravings. I had, I'd, I had turned vegan, obviously, or plant-based overnight uh, when we found the book. And from, I think, August, start of August um, to about, oh, sorry, from, yeah, Start of August to about November, I hadn't eaten any animal products, and I was craving them because you know, condi being conditioned 23 years of your life eating animal products, you kind of have some cravings. Yeah. So I went back to eating animal products and uh, real quickly realized that that's not a good option for me. So I, you know, got my symptoms back, and I had to do the process again. That's and probably a really important lesson to learn early on. Too. Definitely definitely was this was the biggest turning point for me and i think this is where my journey really started that was the conviction you needed wasn't it correct yeah yeah it was it was the the i guess the the way to to make me understand that hang on a second you don't want to put disease causing foods inside your body because your body is then showing it to you right now yeah and i had to i had to learn the hard way and and that really uh, got to me a lot because you know, my, my family wasn't really plant-based at the time. Um, they were eating anything, um, and I, I got really jealous. So I victimized myself, and I said, why did this happen to me? Um, and, you know, why can't I be normal like everyone else? And, and you know, all, the, all these thoughts started coming. So I got really depressed. And so right. the second time around when I, when I started this diet, when I started healing myself again, it took me a lot longer because of my mindset. And I just I really didn't feel good. In, in, in my mind and I, I really just 
wanted to give up so many times because I wanted to eat all these other foods and obviously I couldn't. Mm. And so that was a, a, a struggle for me and I think, um, you know, this is where the, the mental game comes in a lot uh, and it's really powerful. And if you, if you can understand how to accept what you have and understand that this is how your body is going to start healing again, if you if you don't get that aspect of this of this healing journey or of natural healing and self healing, it's really hard to to move forward. And I found it really hard to move forward because you know I was going I wasn't as bad as hospital um, in terms of my physical symptoms, but my my mental health was just struggling super bad. Yeah, um, and it, it was hard to turn myself around. And so from when I came back and after a couple of months from November. It took me about six months to really get back on track. So it, t- it took a while. Um, and that's when, yeah, that's when um, I started to realize that, okay, these foods, and that's when I started, I actually became vegan at that time because I started to look into the, to the industries and, and that was when YouTube started to become bigger um, in 2012, 2013. Yeah. Yep. Some more information place. available. and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So I found some people that were doing plant-based and I was like, hey, these guys are doing this and, you know, I'm not alone. Because um, at that time, you know, you, you are pretty lonely because there's hardly any information, Absolutely. especially in New Zealand. Yep. There's hardly any information about plant-based or vegan. Um, and so, yeah, I started to encourage myself I started to really uh, wrap my head around this and go right I can do this and I started to see other other people's success stories like I think Chris Beats Cancer on YouTube that was one of the first YouTube channels I started looking at because I was like wow these people are, are, are you know recovering or somehow they're doing mm-hmm. something you know with mm-hmm. plant-based foods and that inspired me and then um, Lance Armstrong was a huge inspiration for me so um, I got his book and I started reading it um, I think it's it's not about the bike. That's yeah, right. That's that was the first one. Yeah. yeah. So I um he inspired me a lot from going from what he went through. I was like, he's gone through way worse than me. So if he can do it, then I can do it as well. Um, and so just picking myself up, listening to people that uh, or just changing my mindset. And instead of become or being a victim, I, I I started becoming a champion. I started going, I can do this. You know, I've got this. And you know, I've done it before, why can't you do it again, you know? And so mm-hmm. it really helped me, um, you know, get my, my mindset right and get out there doing what I loved, which one of the biggest things was mountain biking for me. Um, and I love mountain biking so, so much that, you know, I just, the urge and the drive to get back out there was, was something that I wanted to do. And, yep. um, and, slowly but and, and doing all that, did you start noticing... A, a, a difference in your energy level and and I mean you, you talk a lot about mindset which is so important um, and and I really love your statement there you know rather than being a victim you know you got to be a champion and and it's not just necessarily a champion for others but a champion for yourself you know and um, and, and once you have that conviction that really that sets the foundation you know, you, you can only you can only go onwards and upwards from there. But from a physical point of view, did you start noticing, you know, your passion for mountain biking? Did you start noticing like, hang on, I, I seem to get to the top of that hill a little quicker or, or you know, I can last a little bit longer? You know, did that start coming through as well? Correct, correct, for sure, definitely. So I started to – so what, what I say to a lot of people um, is that when you have a chronic disease, you're negative one. 
And you have to get the zero and then to positive one. So when you're in a disease state, because you're in that negative one, it takes you a while to get from negative one to zero. And then from zero to positive, that's when you see the effects of a plant-based diet work on you really well. Um, so because I was in, in that negative one state, I had to get myself to zero. And as soon as I started to get myself onto zero, I then started to get into the positives by doing all these different things and going out and, and exercising a little bit. Baby steps, obviously, because I was I was still obviously underweight and I needed to get yeah. my weight back up and, and all that. Um, so that was pretty, pretty um, I guess the plant-based diet at that point, um, I didn't see um, the results that say someone that's normal that goes from no disease to, to plant-based diet. So for me, it was because I had to, you know, reverse the chronic condition yeah. and then go, go on to plant-based diet. So I only saw it started affecting me a bit later when I started to get my body weight back and, and when I started to really, um, you know, get my exercise or get my fitness back. That's when I started to really see that, okay, I'm not tired anymore, obviously, when I come back uh, from that walk or from that ride. Um, and that, that rebuilding process took about two months for me, um, just to really, I took it really slow because I didn't, you know, my body's coming out of a, a pretty severe state. So I, I needed to really go slow. Um, and so that's when, um, after I got to that zero and started to see those positives, I really believed in this, this way of life. And that's when I started to obviously then make YouTube videos and yeah. started that whole journey as well. But yeah. So well, talk to us a little bit about that new chapter. That's You've right. So done a lot of exciting things since then. So you and um, Shakul uh, co-founded the High Carb Health. And um, what was his sort of viewpoint on this? I mean, seeing his brother go through what you did, um, where did he stand with all this? Yeah, he, he has a pretty inter- interesting story as well. Um, so when I came back home, um, from, from New Zealand, they obviously came and visited me as well. And, and they, um, they f- found out about this information, obviously, because of what I went through. Um, but before they left um, Australia, <laughs> they went to McDonald's and had two Big Macs each, I think. <laughs> um, just it's to, like last just, chance. Yeah, last chance. <laughs> They're like, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to be eating some good food when we get home, so let, let's just get in this, in this crap. We, we may, may not know eat this again uh, <laughs> so they had they had mcdonald's i think at the airport um in australia when they flew over before they flew over but he um my brother started doing the, the juicing as well and the, and the you know smoothies and stuff so they supported me they wanted to support me right so i was going to say th- this was to support you not because he correct. had done his own research at the time no yeah no. yeah it was just mainly for support right now mm. yeah at that time it was just support and um Obviously, my whole family got into it. And, and for one week, he felt so bad. He had withdrawals because he used to drink lots of coffee. He's obviously eat a lot, a lot of crap food as well. And he thought he was healthy, but he wasn't. He, he actually probably was unhealthier than me. Um, but I went through the whole hospitalization and things like that. So um, I, I kind of joke around a little bit with him in that way that, you know, if it wasn't for hospital, you know, I wouldn't have gone through that. But then again, we wouldn't have been plant-based if I didn't go through that. Um, but... He was actually healthier than me um, before I got sick. Um, so for him, it was actually really important to change his lifestyle too. That wasn't just for me um, because he used, to, he used to have migraines all the time. He used to have really bad digestive issues too, but he just thought that was normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
they started uh, yeah doing the diet, doing the plant-based diet. Um, and after one week, he was absolutely shocked. He's like, I feel the best I've ever felt in years. And so he was like, this is this is serious. Like, hang on a second. Like, wow, I need to look into this more. Um, so then he started doing his research as well. And, um, you know, he came across the plant-based doctors, obviously, McDougall, yeah. Esselstein, Campbell, Barnard. Um, and we started to get into it as well. We're like, wow, this is, this is amazing. This information is just, you know, it's, it's mind-blowing because it's, we were in denial, to be honest. But how could this be? Like, well, we, uh, we still want to eat these foods, but we can't because they're, they're damaging to us. You know, they, mm. they, science suggests, you know, these foods are, are what causes a lot of our disease today, common, common disease today, like heart disease, diabetes, stroke. And we were just like, wow. And then we realized, like, hang on a second. Uh, how come you know I've been able to get better? Why why is that? You know, and and we started looking into the gut as well. Obviously, at that time there wasn't as much science around gut health, mm-hmm. um, but we kind of knew we're like, okay, if this this diet can reverse these other conditions, then you know it's helping me as well. And so then that's when we started to spread the message uh, about whole food plant based living and. Um, all these amazing doctors that have been able to do this um, on YouTube. So we started High Carb Health. So he was actually the first person to to start it. He started the YouTube channel, my brother. And he right. was like, what do I eat in the day when I cook? <laughs> so it actually started off as a YouTube channel before it became what it is correct. now. Wow, yes, okay. Correct. There you correct. go. So my brother started it because he, he was like, well, why not? Why, why why shouldn't we just you know spread the message a little bit? And who knows who will watch, you know? So... Um, he started that, and then um, once he started that, he I came over, I flew over to to Melbourne when I felt when I started feeling better, and we did a video together um, about how to heal colitis uh, in my journey and my story. So what I'm saying to you, and I guess that started picking up, and people started watching it. People were like, oh, I have I have ulcerative colitis, and I have this, and and we were just like, wow, this is this is crazy. Um, and then people were just like, how did you do this? How did you do that? What did you eat? All, all these questions. Yeah. And, and obviously we were responding to them as much as we could, uh, getting all these emails as well. So then we decided, hey, why don't we do some studies so that we can get into this and, you know, get a certification so that we can start helping people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we, we also um, did our studies through David Klein. So the guy who wrote the book um, has an academy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the Vibrant Health Academy. So he teaches um, a lot about natural hygiene and the self-healing body, and and food, what foods to put into the body to give the body the right conditions to do the work. And so basically, really, really easy, simple foods um, like like what I ate. Um, and obviously, he counselled us and he taught us a lot about um, colitis and Crohn's and how to coach people. So he he was our mentor um, when we started doing this. Um, and so, yeah, we started getting more and more inquiries and we started putting out more and more content saying that, you know, this, this food is, we'll do this to you, this to you. And, you know, I think we were one of the first people in in New Zealand to talk about this stuff on YouTube. And so, yeah, it just kicked off from there. And we started then talking about this, um, at at Go Green Expo in New Zealand, the Green Living Show in New Zealand, because no one else really talked about this stuff. Um, and we were involved with the Vegan Society of New Zealand as well because we obviously became vegan mm-hmm. uh, and we were like, this is you know, atrocious what happens to the animals. Um, mm-hmm. 
So we, we became members of the Vegan Society of New Zealand, and they obviously do, um, you know, the the um, the stall at, at these um, these green living shows and stuff. So we were volunteering at the time, and um, you know they got asked to to do some talks. And so I started spreading my message that way. And I started spreading the message about how the environment also plays a key role in, with what you eat. Um, and it just, I guess, just started picking up more and more and, and people started to hear about us. And, and I think majority of our clients actually come from U.S. and Canada, which is funny because you think, okay, being in New Zealand, um, you know, you get more Your local market, that's right, yeah. Yeah, but because of YouTube being... So obviously Americanized and, and a lot of people in America watch it. They started seeing our videos and going, Hey, this guy's been able to, you know, get better and heal himself without medications. And I don't want to be on medications either. Because I mean that one of the first things that the doctor told me is like, You're gonna have to be on medication for the rest of your life. And mm. that was like the first week that I was in hospital and I, I honestly I thought he was joking. So I started laughing. Um but you know, he wasn't joking. And I was like, it just hit me pretty hard at that time. I was like, whoa, that's not cool. You don't, you're not supposed to be on medication for the rest of your life, that's for sure. And anyone knows that, you know, you shouldn't, do, you shouldn't be on that. So you know, it gave me a massive shock. That's when I started to really go, whoa, what is this thing? You know, what is this disease? And so when people see you not on medications, it's a big, you know, people see you thriving and people see you not having any digestive issues and, and living a good, happy life, not on medication. That's that's pretty massive. So that's what people started contacting us and going, what did you do? And so we started promoting the book and, um, you know, telling people, talking about what, what I went through and how, you know, the mindset, the food that I ate. Um, and I guess mo- moving on, as we started to get, uh, I guess, bigger and bigger, more inquiries, we thought, you know, let's support these people that are struggling because mm. I knew how hard it was to go through this. Mm. And, you know, I wanted to, to get – when I was going through, I didn't obviously have that much support. Um, and I said to Shukul, let's let's give people the support that I would have wanted when I was going through my journey. Um, so we decided to kind of, you know, coach people and, and start going and, and helping other people and giving them our time. And yeah. um, that's when this, this – we said my brother actually um, stopped his business. He he, he had a job in, in Australia in Melbourne. It was pretty good. Uh, he was working for a finance company there, and um, he dropped everything. Wow. Came back to New Zealand. We stayed at home with our family. Um, th- this took quite a while to obviously gain gain momentum and, and get a base or foundation. It took us probably about three years to uh, set ourselves up, mm. and luckily we had our parents' help and our parents' support. Because my mum and dad obviously started to realize what we're doing and they go, we'll, we'll give you the full support that you need. So obviously living at home, we don't have any expenses, right? So, you know, that was huge for us and that was what we were able to kind of do what we do now because of that initial startup. Um, and, and so we're definitely very thankful for, for our parents. And, and, and let's take it a step back. You're doing what you're doing and you, you're, you're, I was going to say, standing, you're probably sitting right now, but... Because your mum got onto Google, found that magic book, and that's where it all started, didn't it? I mean, all thanks to tofu. (laughs) Tofu, which so many people are scared of, and there we go. One of my one of my mum's friends actually um, 
said to her, why don't you write a book on this called Is Tofu Good For You? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know what the irony is, is that your mum probably thought the same like most people. Oh, I think tofu yep. is not good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's astounding how many people think that the, the soy is really mm. bad for us. Um, but yeah, it's it's... That was the game changer. I, I honestly that, thought that was... with that Googling that, you'd get the China study because that was, for me, my first book, and that's where I first learned the benefits uh, of soy, you know, yeah, as opposed yeah, yeah, to yeah. what I always believed myself. No, tofu, not good. Gives you man boobs, affects your hormones, this, that, whatever. So, um, <laughs> no, that's that's what an amazing story. And, um, look, we'll, we'll definitely put a, a link to, to High Carb Health in, in our show notes and, and people can – I encourage people to go onto the website and read up on your story. And um, yeah. and just to clarify quickly, mm. Shemiz, you don't just work with people who have IBD, do you? You work with all kinds of – Yes, that's correct. So we mm. have helped people with diabetes, um, type 2 diabetes specifically, um, IBS, uh, diverticulitis, mainly uh, digestive issues because we, mm-hmm. we actually thought like because this was some amazing information that we'd learned, we said, oh, why don't we just try and help everyone because this, this diet can do this for so many things. And then we started to go, okay, maybe we should just focus on digestive health. And yeah. as soon as we started to focus on digestive health, I think that's when um, I think more inquiries came through. And we primarily yeah, work with people that have gut issues. So whether it's IBS, whether it's gas, bloating, um, all sorts of these things. I think um, you know, we know that you know if, if a really serious condition like ulcerative colitis can be healed and Crohn's disease can be healed yeah. with so many other clients that we've worked with, then something like IBS can also be overcome, and something like diverticulitis can also be overcome because the body's natural healing power is to be in health. You know, and that's mm-hmm. what we forget sometimes is that the the body has the ability to heal itself and, and we just, we kind of get scared and we have all these other things and then, you know, we get influenced by so many other people so we, we forget that message but the body can heal itself. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned Crohn's. I want to touch a little bit on gluten because it's such a topical thing but before we get on to that, tell us a little bit about your daily I mean, I kind of know the answer because I follow you on social media, but You're for our listeners, posting delicious food on your <laughs> every <Instagram>. single day. <laughs> but yeah. tell us a, a very short, what are your typical foods that you try and eat if you do, if that is such a thing for you? You know, are there particular foods you try and eat every single day or, or what, are, what are typical foods you like to have? Correct. So I've been scarred for life with bad digestion. (laughs) So I want the best digestion uh, in the world and I strive for that and and that's why I eat what I eat. So Mm. predominantly I eat a lot of fruit, um, so lots of smoothies obviously, but when I'm in a place that has lots of fruit, I'm going to be eating lots and lots of fruit. Um, The reason why um, is because it's, it's the most natural food that we can eat um, and that tastes amazing in its natural form. And I think we sometimes forget that, you know, nature gives us a lot of things and, and you know, we don't need to necessarily cook something to eat it. And that's why fruit is, is there. Yeah. Um, and it can nourish us with a lot of amazing vitamins and minerals. And so I eat, obviously, a lot of fruit, um, but I also eat lots of other veggies as well. And, um, you know... Beans, legumes, lentils, um, tofu, as you said, salads, raw food. So I combine raw food 
um, and cook food together. So I, I, I listen to what the doctors have to say, like the plant-based docs saying that these foods are good for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also look at logic and I go, okay, what's what's our natural diet? You know, What would we eat in nature? We wouldn't eat a raw potato. We'd eat a mango, for example. So I go, okay, well, I'm going to eat the best I can. And so I realized that when I was going through my healing, fruit really helped me a lot to improve my digestion. And the reason why I eat so much fruit now is because I want to wake up in the morning and have impeccable digestion. Um, and that's what I get every single day when I eat these beautiful natural foods. Now, with a lot of your fruits, you're a big fan of smoothies. Now, is there a particular reason for that? Is that to help with digestibility? Is that the reason why you have, you know, rather than a, a, a bowl of fruit salad pieces, um, yeah. you know, you generally go for your smoothies? Yeah, I think, I guess, because it's just easy, mm-hmm. uh, it's convenient, um, you, can, you can just chuck everything in a blender and, and um, you know, you can blend it up. I know that some people potentially say that, you know, you're taking the fiber out of it or whatever, but I think uh, you've just got to be smart about it. You've got to, you've got to eat it slowly. You can't just, you know, yeah, chug it down. That's why I also make smoothie bowls as well. So, you know, you can take a spoon and you can eat your, your smoothie, eat your blended food. Or, I mean, you know, that goes the same with soups, for example. Like we don't mm-hmm. complain about soup because it's hot, right? And so we, we have to take it easy when we eat it. So that process of chewing and digestion is really important. So you when you see my smoothies, for example, on Instagram or um, anywhere on social media, I'm always sipping and actually chewing because chewing is a massive process and you know i make my smoothies sometimes quite chunky with with dates in them so you yeah. actually have, are forced to chew yeah. um and so that's while, a really important point isn't correct. it because i mean digestion starts in your mouth you're in, um getting it all does. those amylase enzymes and whatnot to mm-hmm. help break down the carbs so that's yeah, great tip. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And and I actually, I, I I do also eat whole fruit as well. Um, but because I'm busy, um, and also you know I, I don't have time to cut up stuff, and I don't have time to. Do, it's really easy for me to just grab a smoothie or make a smoothie and then um, sip on it as I work. Yeah, um, yeah. And to be fair, smoothies are not like juice juicing. Smoothies, yeah. your fiber is still all there. You, you're eating, you're eating everything. Um, it's it's juicing where you might be extracting components like the fiber and maybe right. some nutrients that are left behind as well. But smoothies, yeah, it's just that. And, and and I know you're a huge fan of dates. I am too. They can be a little bit dangerous sometimes. That that pure sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a few of those before I head out for a run, and then. Uh, yeah, wish I had a few more in my back pocket. Um, yeah, but you're also yeah. a massive fan of potatoes. I am. I am. I, uh, you know, start solution, Doctor John McDougall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that was one of the first books that I that I um, read, and mm. you know, he says he's he is probably one of the best doctors out there. He's done so much work. Um, you know, his his work goes back like 20 years. Um, mm. You know, and and I think for someone like him. He's done probably the most research out of any of the plant-based docs. And I think for him to say that uh, this particular food is really good for you, mm. um, I'm going to take his advice. Yeah, <laughs> so that's cool. He's really great because he's got the research behind him, but he's also got the clinical experience Correct. working with yeah. the patients for so long. So Definitely, yeah. definitely, definitely. And, and that's so important because, you know, a, a lot of people don't have that experience. A lot of doctors don't have that experience that he does. And so when he's seen people get better on potatoes, um, you know, it, the, the proof is in the potato. <laughs> for sure. 
Hey, you can have potato pudding, so why not? <laughs> um, any, yeah. any, any, uh, any particular thoughts, uh, personal thoughts on on Kumbra sweet potato versus your 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 standard potato? Um, yes, there, I mean, actually, there has been some information coming out lately that there's, you know, people say that potatoes don't have as much nutrition as sweet potatoes, um, but there are some potatoes that actually do. Yeah. Um, you, I wouldn't be eating your white potato. Uh, all the time and saying that there's nothing wrong with that white potato but you know there are so many other different varieties of potatoes that you can eat and yeah. my favorite is agria so i eat mostly agria so that's the ye- yellow or yukon gold uh, mm, for people delicious yeah and i mean they're, they're versatile right so they got like you can boil them you can mash them uh, you can make a lot of things with them so uh, no, i love potatoes not and i love sweet potatoes and pumpkins and all starches really yeah, um, yeah. But I guess the the potato is the the savoury one, and it's the one that's you know always going to be the the on my plate. That's going to be the most. You know, yeah. So. Apart from animal products and all the junk food that's out there, are there any particular whole foods that you tend to avoid? I don't avoid um, any uh, at this point. Um, mm-hmm. I when I first started this, obviously it was a bit of a trial and error process uh, in eating beans because beans is a hot topic when people have gut issues. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think you, from my experience with so many other clients and from my own experience as well, you need to take it slow with beans. Um, when you have an inflamed gut, you don't want to be eating beans straight away. Now, there is research out there suggesting that fiber is good for you, but that research is not done on patients with inflamed bowels. Mm. And so sometimes eating these beans um, can be a little bit harsh. And especially yeah. if you don't cook them properly, well, I was just going to say a hot tip on on getting in reintroduce well, reintroduce for most people with with legumes is buy them raw, soak them overnight, and cook them thoroughly. And the difference between those and canned beans makes a huge difference. And and one of them is is definitely digestibility, and that definitely improves it's not on the bloating. It's not and, and, like, yeah. you, you need to get the dried dried beans. You need to soak them, and you need to yeah. pressure cook them as well. That's pressure right. cooking is, mm. is actually you know, I mean, nowadays you've got instant pots, you've got hot pots, you've got all those things that, you know, allow you to cook these beautiful uh, vitamin-rich and mineral-rich foods now. And, and, you know, cooking them like that is, is uh, tastes really good too. Mm. Um, so there's there's nothing really that I don't eat. Um, obviously, oil is something that I, I avoid 100% because of what, from, from Esselstein's research, um, you know, talking about that. But that's probably the only thing that I really avoid and obviously refined sugar. Um, so I keep it whole food, plant-based, no process or limit my processed food intake. I'm not going to say no to a pizza or a burger uh, mm-hmm. every now and then um, because that's how you say it, stay sane. Um, yes. but and it brings in the whole social aspect too, it does. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, definitely. I learned that the hard way um, because yeah. when, see, when I first started this, I was pretty anal about all, all these things. Uh, but mm-hmm. that kind of got to me, you know, I was just like, just relax. And and it gets sure to you- other people as well because, you know, like like Emma's just said from the social aspect, people think, oh, we don't want to invite him because he's so bloody difficult of where we'll go eat. <laughs> and, and you know, and, and Emma and I always say this, and, and we, you know, it's about balance. And if the majority of your eating is done at home, that's where you've got control, that's where you're eating well. And for once in a blue moon to go to have like you say a burger or a pizza or whatever i mean you got to live a little right you do you do it's important that you live a little as well because yeah. otherwise you'll get caught in a prison and i've been there you know and i know mm. what it's like to to put myself in that position where i'm not going to try and uh, relax about food uh, you know you need to do that you need and 
I think consistency is key. So as long as yeah. you're doing all the right things, as you said at home, I have a I have a rule where if I'm eighty to ninety percent eating the foods that are that are whole, um, I'm going to benefit because you know I, I'm not only looking at my physical health, I'm looking at athletic performance just like yourself, and so I want to be making sure that I avoid those foods when I am training and you know trying to get the the optimal diet for my recovery because that's, that's right. huge, and yeah. so. When I'm in those positions where I'm training for something, when I'm going for a bike ride or something, I will make sure that I do not eat anything that's processed before. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I think it's important to just bring back to what you were saying before. Your your starting point is not negative one anymore. Correct. So, it's not. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and your body has that ability to recover or heal itself. So, you know, if, you, if you're feeding the body what it needs and you have that burger with with the, the the fries and the processed patty and the fake cheese and a you'll feel ill after anyway because your body's going to say why are you feeding me this crap mm. um, and you're not going to do it again the next day but again your body will say okay one bad meal i can rid myself of it i can recover it's not going to cause a, a major uh inflammatory response you know it's it's we'll, we'll heal from it so you know it's that's a, that's why it's okay. Like like Emma just said, and like you've said before, you know, we're not starting at my, negative one, and we're probably not even at zero. We're actually at plus one. So, you know, yeah. to be at point, at point nine, at, to be at point nine five, <laughs> to get back to one is a lot easier. Definitely. Well, I think that you, you make a good point there because you build up your gut, you, you strengthen your gut enough to handle these foods every now and then, and yeah. that goes with anyone. It's not just with gut, gut issues. Like um, I know people won't feel they they won't feel good after an oily meal for example you know I don't you, you been, anymore yeah exactly exactly and and you'll know that and you know when you're eating clean your mm. body is definitely not going to like those processed foods and it's not going to digest them very well I'll still it, have it yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and that, and that's fine that's what yeah. where you know Emma was saying you know you, mm. you need to live a little as well and exactly. and give yourself that freedom you know, not so that you're not so anal about, about food. Now, talking about, um, well, let's go back to, to, to what I sort of alluded to, gluten. Now, gluten, it's kind of frustrating because it's, for the most part of it, you know, yes, as people with, uh, you know, legitimate uh, gut-related uh, concerns, issues like Crohn's disease and so on, but for the most part of it, the, the fad of gluten-free you know, oh, I, I, you know, I'm a little overweight or this or that, gluten-free. What's your, what's your thoughts on, you know, should people actually be avoiding gluten or, you know, probably a rhetorical question here, focus more on eating whole foods and, and if that contains the gluten, that's fine because it's part and parcel of the whole food as opposed to, you know, refined, processed, white flour, white rice or whatever the mm. case is. Yeah, well, I, I'm not against gluten. Um, I eat it myself. Mm. Um, but I, I do think that when you when you are in that inflamed state, when you have um, you know inflammation in your bowels, it's not a good idea to, to necessarily eat that because it's harder to digest than, say, starch. Yeah. Um, so that's why we recommend building your gut up um, you know, by eating the starchy foods like pumpkin, potatoes, uh, sweet potato, and then you know slowly reintroducing the grains, uh, whether it's wheat uh, or millet or quinoa. Um, you know, because grains are a little bit harder to digest when you have this this pre-existing condition. So we recommend not going into the the hot, the brain the breads, 
mm-hmm. um, because they're a little bit more processed as well. Uh, but first, you know, start off with with the, the soft foods. You know, the fibers that are going to you know be at ease. And I think starch, uh, the, the soluble fiber from starch, is is really really beneficial for the gut and it soothes the colon. Same with fruit and that's why we we're so big on fruit, bananas yeah. specifically and papayas for example, they they're just really soothing for the gut. And so you wanna you wanna eat the foods that are really gonna just you know, w- when that food passes through you, you want that food to really, you know, soothe, not irritate. Mm. And so sometimes grains can irritate people uh, when when they're digest when when they're inflamed. So we don't recommend gluten. Now I think gluten um, has a bad rap, and you know I think there was some research done about the pesticides in, in gluten that was actually the yeah. more of an issue than the gluten yeah. itself. Because um, so at the end of the day, the gluten is is the protein of the grain, yeah. isn't it? So, and, I mean, people have been eating this for years. Yeah, mm. yeah, without any issues. So, I, 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 so the focus a, is more on the whole the whole grain, the whole wheat, you know, as opposed to the refined, and that's really that's really the message, isn't it? Correct. Yeah, I, I found I found this. Um, was I was driving past um, uh, one of the suburbs the other day, and um, the, there was a butcher, and he said gluten-free chicken. <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, you you are just marketing to these people that are gluten-free." And you're like, "Well, chicken's gluten-free, isn't it?" Uh, but you know, when you when you look when you look at the the chicken, it's actually so much worse than the gluten that it's just it's so ironic that this person yeah. is. Yeah. suggesting such a food if you're gluten intolerant because it's not the gluten it's the the majority of the foods that you're probably eating other than the gluten that probably affecting your gut so much gluten just you know get, gives you that symptom um but it's i thought that was quite funny and it was a really good marketing ploy by that butcher because mm. all these gluten-free people are going to go there you know that's exactly <laughs> it i'd be more interested if he actually went and said salt free but uh because <laughs> we know ch- chickens are, are really one of the biggest sources of of sodium in in in, in diet and one yeah, of the reasons yeah. yeah so um what we to next with you and your brother for um high carb health what's what's on the horizon yeah, I mean, we just launched our new website, um, so obviously go and check that out, mm-hmm. uh, www.highcarbhealth.com. Um, but I think more reach, I think this is the biggest thing. Actually, one of the, one of the just happened this morning, actually, uh, a milestone for us, which we, we got to 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. So wow. uh, congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that was, that was a good little milestone for us. Um, talking about gut health and, you know, I say, to these, I say to a lot of people that I talk shit all day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, you know, for us, two guys on YouTube talking about shit all day, um, 10,000 subscribers is not too bad. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, guys. Well done. Well done. That's, that's, that's the milestone. But, yeah, as much reach as we can get doing things like this, like podcasts, yeah. um, being mm-hmm. on, on uh, connecting with uh, doctors. Obviously, we went to um, – the Nutrition Healthcare Conference uh, last year, I think it was. Yes, yeah. that's where I first came across you guys and it just blew me away, your presentation. So yeah, yeah, really that, glad was that, was, that was in Australia as well, wasn't it? And, and that yep. was the Nutrition Health. We also went to the one in America, the um, the Plantrition Project one, and we met all these beautiful doctors, obviously all the, all the doctors that we, we read all the books about and we were just like so amazed. So we connected with all these doctors and trying to spread the message out there that, you know, because ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease has been, you know, uh, it's like a it's like a shy disease. You know, people get embarrassed; they don't want to talk about it. Mm. So I want to change that. Yeah, yeah. No, I and think it's definitely an important, on the way. 
Yeah, for sure. I think it's an important message and, and um, you know, it's awareness, self-awareness yeah. and um, being able to spot things early and, and why spot it? Why not prevent it altogether? So, you know, when you have stories like this and, and yours was just so well documented, you know, you had images of you in hospital. So you're not you're not just standing there saying, hey, look at me, I'm healthy, I've recovered. But mm. you're actually showing that low point you were at. And that's what makes it thanks, so much thanks more tangible. Yeah. Yeah, thanks to mum once again for taking those photos. I Obviously, I, she took them without me looking sometimes, but, um, yeah, so thankful for her to take those photos. Your mum had the foresight, I'll tell you. Yes, she, she had did. the foresight with all this. So, um, oh, look, it's it's amazing what uh, the supporter family can do, hey? Sure is, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, it's awesome. Um, Shamiz, look, we, we sincerely appreciate you. Um, you know, you're only our second guest on, on our relatively new podcast now. But, um, you know, it's such, it was such a, a, um, a real story that we – it's why we wanted to get you on early. Um, mm. it's, it's got a powerful message, um, a remarkable, you know, story in terms of how you recovered and what you're doing, what you and your brother are doing now is, is huge. And, um, you know, I, I first saw you present two and a half years ago. I wasn't even plant-based then. I don't know what drew me to your presentation. Um, I don't know if it was more the, the carb, you know, the high carb sort of <laughs> name as opposed to I've got a disease, which I don't know, I was only vegetarian at the time. But, um, yeah, you know, I've been following you guys for a while and, and it's amazing what you guys do and uh, we can only wish you the best and go bigger and get stronger. Yeah, and, likewise. Yeah. And everyone out there who hasn't checked out your Instagram yet, they have to, to see yeah. all the food that you eat. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, look, no, thank- li- likewise, guys. Yeah. No, so look, so, so thank you so much for opening up. Um, you really did give a little bit more insight into what I thought I knew about your story, but just, just that behind the scenes component just really puts it all into perspective so thank you very much thank you so so much for your time and thank you to your brother as well you're doing amazing work thank you guys thank you thank you for listening to the lentil intervention podcast if you found this interesting make sure you subscribe and share it with your friends